business leaders, listen up. It's time to eliminate bad attitudes, politics, and distrust on your business teams. It's time to change the culture of your team. That means you as the leader must change. It's time for you to have impact. Learn how from corporate consultant Dave Anderson on Impact Talk Radio. It's a learning hour of no fluff, straight talk with solutions designed to impact high-impact leaders who want to lead high-impact teams. It's time to stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Anderson with Impact Talk Radio. So I'd just taken over a new team, and I was sitting there with one of my new representatives, and she stated with a lot of confidence, Dave, my goal is to do your job someday. You know, and I really only had a one-word response for her. I was, why? See, too many people look are looking to move up into leadership and moving up the chain of command like it's the definition of success at work. And I want to be clear to Debbie that, you know, climbing the career ladder for climbing's sake is is not really success. See, leadership's not for everyone. If someone moves into leadership and they're not right for the job, you know, they don't only hurt themselves, but they can hurt others as well. So my big question for Debbie was, you know, what gets you out of bed each morning? What drives you? What motivates you? See, to me, this this is a big question for people aspiring to be in leadership. You know, I've seen good too many good people move into leadership and just founder be, because they realize what motivates them is in short supply for us as leaders. See, if what motivates me is recognition, then you know what? I probably just need to stay put, stay where I am. As a leader, recognition from above and below is rare. And, you know... It, if I thrive on attaboys or girls or you know, thank yous, you know what? Being a leader may not be that fulfilling. As a leader, there, there are fewer people above me to praise me. I mean, it's a numbers game. There's just fewer people above me, who, and they don't always have the time to recognize me for the things that are common expectations at, the previous, at my previous role and my previous level. I mean, the stuff that I got praised for in the past, they aren't going to praise me for doing that as a leader because that's just the normal stuff that all leaders are supposed to do. And their time, they got so many demands on their times, it's really not, they're really not going to have time to praise me for the common accomplishments. And at the same time, you know, the people I lead, the people who I've just been put in, put in leadership over, they're rarely going to thank me. I mean, really, they... There was it was very rare that anybody ever said to me, hey, Dave, nice job on those expense reports, buddy. Or, hey, Dave, thanks for getting me all the resources that I always need to do my job on a day to day basis. See, most of the time they are unaware of the things that I do to help them daily and to be happy in leadership. I need to be OK with that. Besides, look, most effective leaders are the ones who deflect praise you know, they deflect the praise to the individual team members instead of holding it on, holding on to it for themselves. And as a leader, the individuals I lead, by the way, are the, they're the ones accomplishing all the work. They're the ones really doing all the work. I'm the guy who's just directing them. I'm guiding them. I'm, I'm kind of coaching them along the way. But they're, they're where the rubber meets the road. So when things go well, I really shouldn't take credit. But you know what? As a leader, when things go poorly, I got to shoulder the blame. And to be happy in leadership... You know what? I got to be happy with that dynamic as well. But here's the thing. If your answer to the question is what drives you, what gets you out of bed each morning, what motivates you is helping others succeed, then guess what? Maybe you need to be in leadership. See, the most satisfaction I get out of being a leader 
is knowing I had a hand in some somebody else's success. Now I do that in my old corporate job and guess what? I've made a business out of it now, helping other people succeed, helping other leaders become stronger leaders. And you know what? That recognition of a good job, that comes internally, not externally. See, trust me, I'm not some sort of martyr who believes that my way is the only way to lead. But see, I've witnessed too many talented people you know, just be unhappy in leadership. They wanted external recognition all the time. And that's the recognition they'd always gotten. But as a leader, the internal recognition has got to be enough. The motivation to lead can't be generated from outside the leader. It can't be based on the rewards or, or the thank yous of other people. And I told Debbie that by being motivi- motivated by these things doesn't make her wrong or doesn't make her a bad person. What made it motivate her made her great at her job. But she needed to truly evaluate her desire to move up the career ladder because whether I'm motivated by external or internal recognition, you know, that may determine whether I'm truly happy leading others. This is Impact Talk Radio, and I'm Dave Anderson. You know what? You can call me your flight attendant for this nonstop flight to the land of new leaders leading new teams. So make sure your seat backs are up, your tray tables are in the upright and locked position, because in this show and every show, you're going to get a dose of reality, a dose of advice, a dose of impact solutions, and a dose of hope. Look, find Impact Talk Radio. If you're looking for us on the Internet, find Impact Talk Radio on toginet.com, T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com, or you can download Impact Talk Radio off of iTunes. You can also find me, Dave Anderson, at DaveAnderson88 on Twitter. I started my first team from scratch. When we're talking about new leaders on new teams, that first team I had, I started it from scratch. I hired everybody. And you know what? It took us about two years to hit our stride. My second team, well, that they had a mix of experienced people and novices on there. And, you know, we took about a year to really begin to fire on all cylinders. The third team, the third team, it was pieced together from a bunch of different teams because we'd gone through all these uh, mergers and acquisitions. And we pulled these people together. They'd never worked together before, but they were all tenured, and most of them had had a lot of success. And you know what? We hit our stride quickly. The way a, la- a leader launches a team and gets together with a new team can o- often determines whether that team's trajectory is positive or negative moving into the future. Today we're going to start we're going to be talking about starting new teams whether you're working for a large corporation or you're starting your own business we're going to have an opportunity we all have, are going to have an opportunity to be the new guy right in each situation we're the new guy on the team and we're also the leader and I felt that uncomfortable feeling many times before you know, standing in front of that group of people and they're all looking at you and they've got maybe they got preconceived notions about who you are. Maybe uh, they under they think they understand what it's going to be like to work for me uh, and me being their boss. Maybe they got baggage from a previous leader, or they got baggage they ca- they're carrying around from a supervisor from years and years ago. See, that doesn't matter to them. They're just going to watch every move I make. They're going to they're going to decide whether or not they're going to buy into the new guy or not. And that new guy's their leader. None of those people, you know, might shut you down altogether, but they just might go along and just be compliant instead of truly being a committed member of a highly functioning team. See, my first steps, my first decisions, my first obstacles I encounter uh, as a new leader are going to go a long way in determining my, uh, the long-term success of those teams. 
The challenges are going to be different in each situation. No matter, no matter if today you're starting a new team because you're in a new organization or you're building your own business and you got a new team from scratch that you're starting from scratch. Today, we're going to get some great advice from Dan Miller, the best-selling author of 48 Days to the Work You Love. If you've ever been to my website, Anderson Leadership Solutions, you're going to see in my resources page, I've got that book, 48 Days to the Work You Love, listed as one of the books that changed my life. You know, at a time when I was wondering what's next for me, I was questioning whether or not I still had the fire inside of me for my corporate job. 48 Days to the Work You Love opened my eyes. You know, it made me realize I still had responsibilities in my corporate job that I had to take care of and that I was passionate about because I was leading people. But it also motivated me to prepare for my next career. This is the career that I'm living right now, a leadership speaker, a consultant, a talk radio host, all those things. And how did I know it was time for, for me to lead my own company? Where Dan, Dan Miller in his book helped me figure that out, and I haven't looked in the rearview mirror since. You know, I left that comfortable corporate gig, and I jumped right into the uncomfortable world of being an entrepreneur. Now, a few years ago, I heard Dr. Patrice Berry speak, and she read a poem with a line in it that said, You ain't free to do what you want to do. You are free to do what you're meant to do. You ain't free to do what you want to do. You are free to do what you're meant to do. What is freedom? Freedom is doing what you're meant to do. You know, these days I feel free because I believe I'm doing what I'm meant to do. You know, I'm building leaders. I got to do a lot of that in the corporate job, and now I, got to, now I get to do it as, as a business for myself, and I get to impact leaders in all different companies. See, I've been building leaders for a long time. I just needed to recognize that's what I was meant to do. I built leaders in the corporate world and sales teams for 20 years. You know, now I'm running my Anderson Leadership Solutions, and you know, I'm producing videos and PDFs and online courses. And if you're interested in those, you can find them at overwhelmmanagersguide.com. You know, I get to interview leadership gurus like Dan Miller, our today's guest. Uh, and I also, you know, recently interviewed guys like uh, Jim Hunter, the author of uh, the book, The Servant. And we talked about servant leadership. And I talked to Dr. Joey Fawcett and we talk, talked about why people actually follow leaders. Doing this is my passion. Doing this is really really nail help me nail down exactly what I want to do with my life. So we're going to be going into break here in just a second, and we're going to uh, be talking with Dan Miller about what it's like to start a new team and be a leader on a new, uh, on a new team, uh, whether or not we're starting our own business or we're starting in, in a, a new team in the corporate world. This is Impact Talk Radio. Learn more on Dave Anderson's blog at AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com. Stay with us. Back after these. Join the Executive Business Seminar with author and trainer, Dr. Risa Wolf, Ph.D., 
Are you looking for practical business tips and techniques for dealing with difficult situations or lowering speaking anxiety? Then this show is where you need to be if you're a business owner, corporate executive, or anyone ambitious about their career growth. Dr. Risa Wolf draws from her extensive mentoring background for business leaders and executives and interviews leaders who have practical solutions. Join Dr. Risa Wolf every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for your edition of the Executive Business Seminar right here on ABRN, the All Business Radio Network. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Tirasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central, Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's paying it forward with tips, tools, advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Doginet.com. Stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Anderson. Hey, you know what? I'm not sure what got you, what brought you here today, but I'm glad you're here. You know, I don't believe in accidents or coincidences, so I hope today you're going to find something that impacts you. That's why I why I started Impact Talk Radio and. It's really to have impact on leaders out there, whether you're a small business owner, an entrepreneur, a frontline leader, a middle manager, a sales manager. Everything we do here on Impact Talk Radio is meant to impact you and how you lead. And I'm real excited to introduce our guest today. Our guest is Dan Miller. And as I mentioned in the opening segment, I know Dan personally because, well, first of all, I know him through his book because, like I said, his book changed my life and really made me think differently about my career. And then I I was invited to go to Dan's house and work with him uh, in the beginning of my trek here as an entrepreneur. And I learned a lot about being an entrepreneur from Dan as part of his Eaglepreneur uh, program. Dan is president of 48 Days LLC and his his book 48 days to the work you love and his second book no more Mondays are have been huge hits and bestsellers and he writes he writes regularly for many popular magazines including cbn.com crosswork.com success magazine and zig ziglar's newsletter you know what? He's been on CBS, The Early Show, NBC's, MSNBC's Hardball. He's been on the Dave Ramsey Show on Fox Business News. And he hosts a weekly podcast that's consistently ranked, listen to this, number one under careers on iTunes. I'm hoping to get there someday. Look, Dan is a frequent speaker and a guest on popular radio show programs, and he also has a huge online community of over 14,000 people. And I'm pleased to call him a friend and a mentor. And Dan, I just want to welcome you to the show today. Well, thanks, Dave. I'm honored to be your guest. Well, Dan, you know, one of the things I know reading through 48 days to the work you love and reading through no more Mondays is, you know, you really spend a lot of time, uh, in both those books, 
helping people understand how God made them and how, how they are designed. And so how does somebody know that they're ready to lead his or her own uh, company if they're thinking about moving out into being an entrepreneur? Yeah, great question. You know, sometimes we just look for an area of talent that they have. And, you know, they can be a technician, they can be a great mechanic or a great cook or something. But in a recent blog of years, Dave, you talked about the fact that talent is not enough. It really takes a lot more than that. Yeah, we want to see two or three clear areas of competence. And and also, that's okay if there are two or three clear areas of competence. One of the fallacies of people moving out into having their own enterprise, their own business, their own company, is thinking that they have to do anything. Nobody can do that well. If you have two or three areas of clear competence, you know, it might be worthwhile to look at starting your own venture. But then you would quickly have to look at other things that are going to sustain you there. Talent is not enough. You know, we really move into character, move into things, you know, the things that have helped me so much, Dave, in what I've done are not even just being, you know, I'm certainly not the best writer, the best speaker, the best coach. But it's a combination of things that have propelled my success that include things like loving relationships, uncompromising integrity, you know, having a clear purpose, uh, even like things like vibrant health and an optimistic faith. I think those are things that have helped me establish myself and continue to be a leader. And I think those are the things that I would certainly look for in somebody else as well. Mm-hmm. So... Leading, so for instance, in my situation where I was leading in the corporate world, and then I sit there and I think about, okay, I'm going to form a team. I'm going to form my own team, and I'm going to go out there and do and and start my own company, whether it be consulting like what I'm doing and speaking like what I'm doing, or maybe I'm maybe there's somebody out there who has a business idea for a product they want to sell or a service they want to sell, and they're going to start putting together a a team. What I mean, what type of person, what type of thought process does that person need to have in order to really start off and be successful in that role? You know, when it comes to Ed and team members, I approach this probably a little bit differently because my business is not like a corporate business. Mm -hmm. My team members have all been tapped on the shoulder because they have a clear area of competence in one or two particular areas. But I don't try to fill 40 hours a week with having them you know, sweep the floor and clean the windows just to keep them justified as an employee. Mm. So my people are independent contractors, meaning that I use them just for the one thing that they do really, really well. That's pretty easy to identify typically. Now, it still is based on the fact that these are people, for the most part, who have come to me because of long-term trusted relationships. And I have people in place, even like the, the lady who does my bookkeeping. I mean, she's not here all the time. Good grief, I don't need her here all the time. But when she comes in, she knows how I think. She loves what we do. And she does with excellence the one thing she does really well. But I'm not having to look for other things just to fill her time. Again, I use her just for the amount of time it takes for her to add that contribution to what I'm doing in my company. Hmm. So when people are... Because I know lots of times you do. You advise people as they're making this transition. I mean, when I came, when I was fortunate enough to come come to your house there outside of Nashville, I remember coming there, and you were you spent a lot of time with people like me who are making a transition and thinking about starting this new company and starting out as an entrepreneur. What do you see some of the leadership challenges that derail entrepreneurs or small business owners? 
There's a couple of real clear things. One is time management. It seems to be just a thorn in everybody's side. We don't have enough time to do all the things that we want to do. But hand in hand with that is ineffective delegation. I think they're almost you know, part and parcel the same thing. When I see somebody who's you know, working 80 hours a week, it's like, wow, why haven't you learned to delegate things better so that you can focus on what it is you do well and have other people whose, whose talents supersede your own in those areas? That's certainly what I look for is how can I have people around me who can complement the one or two things that I do really well? You know, Dave, I tell people that even in a small business like I have, there are probably 20, 25 different things that need to be done. I probably do two or three of those pretty well. Mm -hmm. That's where I want to spend my time. Not doing poorly something that I don't do well at all. I'm going to look for somebody to delegate that to and bring in alongside me. Well, that helps your motivation, too, when it's time to wake up and go to work, doesn't it? Oh, it does, because I get to do just what I enjoy most doing. I tell you, I've got uh, I'm operating a lot on the skeleton crew that you like to operate on. I have a few people who do contract work for me. I do have interns that I hire from a local college that come in and you know what they do? They do the stuff that they're good at, which is in in and that. And I'm not very good at, in my case, is organizational uh, organizational things, keeping track of things. I'm a big picture person. I'm I'm that high eye that we when we talk about disc profiles, some people might call them call it a high eye an otter. That means I probably don't do very well with details. And guess who I hire for my interns? Absolutely, <laughs> the people who, as Tom Cruise said and uh, Jerry Maguire, that complete me. You complete me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so. What, what about that other case that we were that we were talking about in the opener? When somebody is preparing to lead a new team, but uh, they're they're the ones who's new to the team. The team is already established. They're in the corporate situation. What can they do to prepare to uh, prepare to lead that team where they're stepping in and maybe everybody's staring at them, going, "What do you got?" Yeah, I think that's a tough transition because you're coming into an existing culture where. People already have the connections, established relationships and all that. And to come into that, I think it's going to take some time. There's kind of a repositioning of loyalty. But one of the things that I think is real critical in just the terminology that you use so much, Dave, is that of leading rather than managing. Mm -hmm. If you come in prepared to manage and you're going to tell people what to do, there's probably going to be resistance to that. People in today's environments don't do well in that kind of environment for the most part. And that's the old days of assembly lines where there was one way to do something. But today it's more establishing what are our priorities, what are the end results, and then giving people the flexibilities to figure out how to accomplish those desired end results. And I think that really requires somebody who knows how to lead rather than just somebody who is used to managing. So I think we've got to resist the temptation to come in carrying a big stick because now we have the right to tell people what to do. No, we made it better move gently into that. I was just reading uh, an interview from the new young CEO of Ford Motor Company and how amazingly effective he's been at stepping into that monstrous role. But it's by listening to people who are already doing things well. So it wasn't coming in just going to take bring out the big axe and change everything to prove that you're, you're the chief honcho. No, he came in, listened. He's done some subtle kind of repositioning, and the company is just soaring. I remember uh, reading 
reading some of John Maxwell's work, and he talks about that. He talks about knowing who you're listening and figuring out who your influence leaders are, the people who already are there doing all the right things and being able to utilize them as a new leader as you come on, onto that team. He points that out as well. Um, so what challenges then, you know, what challenges do you think there is for a leader if you're taking over a team from somebody else? I mean, when, when there's been a previous leader there, uh, whether or not – let's talk about first when the previous leader has been really good. What's some, what are some of the challenges we're going to run into as leaders when we take over a team when somebody – the person before us was actually a pretty good leader? Yeah, you know, that's interesting to watch that unfold. We've seen that a lot of times in perhaps a family business where a person who had a really strong personality, really strong brand, and then have a family member step in and try to take that over. And a lot of times it just doesn't work well. We see the same thing in churches where somebody built a church, you know, from 200 people to 7,000, and then they retire and somebody new comes in. Boy, that is a tough spot to be in. I think there's so much of the company that is built around the personality of the previous person that sometimes that makes it really, really difficult. Again, I think with when coming into a situation like that, we've just got to be willing to do a lot of listening, a lot of listening, a lot of affirming what people are already doing. Even if you know that there are some people that ultimately need to get off the bus, uh, don't do it too quickly. It'll make everybody suspicious, paranoid that they're going to be next. So that has to be done very, very gently. When I see people coming into these major organizations and they have 15, 20,000 employees, I would expect that it's going to take a year to really establish themselves as the leader of that organization. Now, in small organizations, yeah, I think it can take place more quickly. And in small organizations, you may realize that three of the five people that are there do need to be moved out. And you can change more quickly the corporate culture in a small entrepreneurial business. A lot of listening, you know, but, but then, then in bringing people in, you know, make sure that you're taking a lot of time to bring people in who are going to add to what it is that you want to accomplish. Yeah, that's a interesting point because sometimes I've, I've observed, observed it happening. So a new leader comes onto a new team and they want to establish themselves, right? They, they think I need to establish myself and they start making quick decisions. And what they end up doing is pushing people away from them because, Hey, we've been successful ourselves before you got here. What makes you think we need all your help? And uh, you can really drive some of those people that you're trying to pull in and have become your followers. You can really, really drive them away or at least turn them into just compliant rule you know rule followers and not really committed uh committed committed team members at least yeah. i think one of the toughest well, things is to promote somebody from within now mm-hmm. that sounds honorable and all but if we take an example here's a sales team there's five guys on a sales team and the guy who's really a sales leader goes out here and makes things happen well we reward that person by promoting them into being sales manager. That requires much different skills. And a lot of times it cripples that person's success rather than accelerates it, and it cripples the success of everybody else because now, rather than being their peer, their comrade, you know, now he is the guy telling them, hey, we're going to cut your territory. You have to come in at 8 o'clock rather than 9 o'clock. It changes the dynamics of existing relationships, and sometimes it just doesn't work well at all. 
Well, I'll tell you, uh, I've seen that happen. And uh, as a matter of fact, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about that dynamic here. We're about ready to go into a break. But we've got uh, Dan Miller here, author of 48 Days to the Work You Love, helping us understand what some of the challenges are for new leaders who are taking over new teams. And whether or not you're, again, whether or not you're in a large organization taking over an established team or you're starting your own business and you're an entrepreneur and you're about ready to start your new team. We're going to dig into some real practical advice in, in the next segment and say, what's the next step for you if you're going into that situation? We'll be back right after these words. This is Impact Talk Radio. Learn more on Dave Anderson's blog at AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com. Stay with us. Back after these. In today's business world, you have to be LinkedIn. LinkedIn, it's a great tool. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady. Join us for the LinkedIn Lady Show every weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Carol is here to show you and your business how every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose that can benefit you. In each show, the LinkedIn lady will have a variety of guests, such as business owners who will showcase their businesses and talk about how they're using social media to stay in touch with not only customers, but to attract new relationships that become customers. Other guests will be experts in social media who will speak to the use of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Plaxo, Squidoo, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. Join us for the LinkedIn Lady Show with your host, Carol McManus, every weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Impact Talk Radio. No fluff, just straight talk with impact solutions for high-impact leaders. Here's Dave Anderson. Hey, have y'all out there heard the word impact enough already today? Well, look, I really believe if I'm not having impact, I don't know what why I'm here on this earth. I know God put me on this earth to have impact on other people's lives, and that's why Impact Talk Radio is here to have impact uh, on leaders' lives. And we got Dan Miller here who's author 
author of 48 Days to the Work You Love, want to make sure you know how to get in contact with Dan and find out more about everything that Dan does, you can go to Dan's website, 48days.com. And what I want to make sure you all do is Dan has an amazing podcast that he puts out that where he speaks to leaders and he speaks to people and they, he really helps them determine how were they, de- how were they designed? How, how did God design them? What are they made to do? What, and how to take those next steps moving forward in, into whatever it may be. Maybe they're staying put. Maybe they're moving into a whole new realm of business like I did. That podcast is a great way to connect to Dan and connect with, to other people who are listening to Dan and are dealing with a lot of the same things you are. Uh, and we were just Dan. You and I were just talking about what happens when you take over a take over a team from uh, another leader that happened to be a good leader. What about if you you're stepping in, you're taking over a team from a leader that maybe didn't have a lot of respect from the people they were leading in the past? What what are some of the challenges? What are some of the uh, solutions that you might be able to share there? Well, frankly, I think in some ways that's easier. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> to come in behind a bozo, yeah. uh, it's a lot easier to show your competence and moving forward. Yeah, I think it's. I think the bigger challenge is if somebody was really loved and really had done a great job, and so they're moving out. Now, certainly, it's an honor to move into positions like that, but I think it's more challenging. So, if somebody has not done a good job. Uh, then people are probably already frustrated and restless. So it's going to be a little easier to come in with a plan and say, I know things that were done like this in the past, but it wasn't working well. So let's try this. What do you guys think about this? Mm. Now, I think, I think that's part of the issue there, though, is that you have to include people even in the decision-making process. Even if you know where it's going to end up and you're going to lead the discussion toward that, you know, Brian Tracy, one of the management gurus out there, said that people will only be committed to something to the degree that they were allowed to discuss it. I used to have a team, I used to have a fitness center and had a lot of employees. And so if I came in and said, you know, this next month, anybody who hits this kind of a sales goal is going to get a, a trip to the Bahamas or a cruise or something. Well, that's OK. But I found very quickly that if I said, hey, here are five things, you know, you can uh, go to the ice cream store or you can get a free balloon or you can go on a cruise next month. Which would you guys which would you guys prefer? Well, I mean, you can slant it. So they obviously are going to go where you want them to mm-hmm. end up. But even having some kind of a choice in the process makes them more committed overall, makes them more engaged and I think that's going to be the challenge if you come into some place where it wasn't being led well. Yeah, get people to buy in. Get yeah. their input. Make it make them know that they are being heard. Because probably that was part of the challenge with the previous leader. A lot of leaders, you know, never never managers never gain the respect of people because they just don't slow down to listen. Mm. <laughs> you know, in that scenario that you laid out there, you got to really love some ice cream if you're going to take that over a, a cruise <laughs> any day. <laughs> I bet I'd have to be running a lot more than I need to run now to to work off all those pounds if that's how much I loved ice cream. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, here's the interesting thing. You, th- you, you bring up the whole idea of buy-in from the team and establishing buy-in with the people on, on the team and what you're going into what you're going to do differently and how things are going to be different. Because I always feel like no matter who it is, whether or not it's a leader or maybe it's a new employee, anytime you inject somebody new into the mix, it's going to have a, an effect on the culture. You know, and so I, I believe like a lot of leaders, they don't 
take control of that situation in the start and they don't really think through what's my effect going to be on the culture of this team and how do I guide that? And you, you mentioned how do you, how, you know, how do you make sure it goes in the direction you want to go? What type of things can a leader do in that situation where they're trying to guide the culture of the team? Well, I think there's times where it is clear that you are listening and even it may come in informal times of getting people together where the focus is not on developing new systems or business plans or sales goals, but just, just to spend time together. Again, when, when we hire somebody, when we bring somebody in as part of a team, you know, we, we bring the whole person for the most part. Now, I talked about in, in my business, you know, I really do tap people on the shoulder who add their competencies. And a lot of times we don't get together in my particular structure. But in a traditional business, you're going to want to do that. So people feel like, you know, they're sharing life together, not just putting their work hat on at eight o'clock and taking off at five. So listening, involving them in interaction, playful things together, sharing life together is going to make them feel more comfortable when the challenges come up in the work environment. You know, they, they, they the old saying, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So much of letting somebody know you care about them is to actually ask their opinion and then pause long enough to listen to them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So true. I mean, I feel like so often we've got a lot, and I and I'm going to admit right here and now. Sometimes I'm I'm that person that I'm instead of listening, I'm just waiting to talk. And that's you know, if you're a leader in that position, and people feel that way about you, they're going to start saying less and less, and allow you to talk more and more. And that's going to do damage, especially if I'm walking into a new team and they don't feel like they ever got a chance to speak to you about the things that were bothering them. Yeah, you know, there's there's some classic training material out there. Dave, as you well know, but, mm-hmm. you know, old resources like how to win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. Those are timeless, timeless principles, not just that you may not even be considered business principles, and yet they are. Those are the kind of things that make people effective salespeople, effective leaders, effective team members, just those simple things, you know, smile, remembering the importance of somebody's name, listening showing sincere appreciation, all those old things, those are things that really enhance people's abilities to work together, certainly enhance the skills of anybody who wants to be a leader, but also just people who are working together. Those are things that elevate everybody's success. Mm. You know, my dad, uh, who uh, I quote him often, and one of the things that I remember him saying to me probably at, at one of those moments when I was a teenager and not necessarily listening to him too well, he would say to me, hey, bud, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionately. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's a great rule of thumb for all of us, especially as leaders, especially, you know, when you're if you're if you've never been in leadership, like a young lieutenant in the army like I was at one point and you have these grizzled veteran uh sergeants or you're a you're a, you know, 30-year-old former salesperson, as you mentioned, the scenario you mentioned, and you're stepping in and you're taking over a sales team that maybe you were part of, but it has people who've been selling a lot longer than you have, and they're on that team. Your ability to listen and your humility in order to listen is probably coming into play big time in that situation. What about humility for a leader in that situation? You know, it reminds me as we're talking here, Dave, you know, the things that make us successful in business make us successful in other 
roles in life as well. I mean, my goodness, how many marriages struggle because of violation of the very things we're talking about here. Humility, yeah, that would be high on the list there as well. Yeah, <laughs> but humility, you know, sometimes we get enamored with titles and, you know, it tickles me sometimes, you know, banks have been notorious for this, you know, they got 15 vice presidents on a team of 16 people because they recognize, you know, the title gives a person that sense that they really are important and they're contributing, and that's fine. No, mm-hmm. no, no problem with that at all. But if the title supersedes a person's willingness to be a servant, a willingness mm-hmm. to help somebody else, willingness to listen, willingness to be humble, you know, then, then it doesn't matter what title they have, they're going to be ineffective. Yeah. Yeah, we just had... Uh... Jim Hunter, who is the author of his book, The Servant, and we talked a lot about servant leadership, and we talked a lot about the humility involved in leading. And lots of times as a new leader, we don't recognize how – I didn't recognize how important humility was and the ability to say, you know what, I don't know everything. Somebody on inside this team needs to show me how to do this and how that can build trust between the leader and the led in that situation. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. You know, some uh, I talk a lot about being an overwhelmed business leader where people are just swamped by the busyness of the day-to-day stuff of just running a business. Say you're a, a business owner and you're you're just grinding through day in day out trying to take care of, you know, the details of the day-to-day business. How do you t- find time to focus on leading people versus just as we said managing your business and managing the day-to-day stuff? How can how do you advise those business owners who are trying to figure out how to find that balance or maybe it's not a balance, maybe it needs to be really weighted in heavily towards leadership, but are seem to feel like they're caught in just that reaction mode of managing? I think for any of us, if we have one employee or 10,000, can get caught in that trap where we're just so busy, we don't have time to really develop or even establish relationships mm-hmm. with the people. They, they just need to know what to do and just go do that. But I think it, we, we have to be very realistic about our time management, how we prioritize our time, and how we establish you know, priorities. Because, you know, the old adage is, you know, we have time for whatever we consider most important. Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't have time to read a book or go to a seminar, obviously they considered other things more important than that. It just boils down to that. So if we aren't effective at leading people, it's not because we don't have time. It's because we've got the same 168 hours everybody else does. But it comes down to we don't consider that a priority. And that's pretty sad. So yeah. if we're going to have people that are on our team and are going to perform well, uh, we have to spend time with them. I have, in, in my small team, I have four key people, but I have an hour a week dedicated to each of those four individually, not together, individually. Mm. So we work on their areas of competence. Sometimes, frankly, I cringe. I think, ah, you know, she's doing well. He's doing okay. We don't need to do that. But I, I recognize how quickly I can start to lose you know, the commitment the loyalty, the productivity and all, if I don't just spend that time with that person, even if we aren't just really bearing down on business details, just spending the time, it validates them, makes them feel like they're part of what we're doing overall. And so I have to do that. Mm. Yeah. Too many people maybe have either 
felt this or seen this, that, that leader that walks in in the morning, walks through the office and says, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, walks in your office, closes the door, and then at 5 o'clock at night they walk out and say, good evening, good evening, good evening, <laughs> good evening. And it, there's been no interaction except for leadership through email uh, is what's, what some people – that's when you're trapped in management. And that's it, it, when seem, you, it seems that, like t- TV shows and movies – support that kind of scenario as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and and so we you know, you're going to have that stuff in the office that you got to get done. You're going to have that day-to-day stuff, but I always talk to people about you know, you know Put a block out time in your schedule to get out of your office, to get out there and walk around as leadership by walking around, as Jack Welch, I think, used to say, and get out there and 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 talk to people, whether or not it is purpose driven uh, discussion about what's going on in the business or if it's just asking them about their lives and understanding who they are, because they need to know us as leaders and we need to know them because we rarely trust people we don't know. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. That takes time. Yeah, it absolutely takes time. Speaking of time, we got about 30 seconds left, Dan. I want to make sure that you talk a little bit about your podcast and what you've got going on your podcast so people can hear about it straight from the horse's mouth here. Well, I appreciate that, Dave. You know, my podcast is what I consider one of the highlights of my week when I get to open that dedicated email file and see the questions that people ask, just real-life questions having to do with, you know, how do I find my purpose? How do I figure out what God's calling is for me, and how can I translate that into meaningful, purposeful, profitable daily work? So I do it once a week. Um, People can find it easily, just 48days.com, and hit the podcast there. A little different than what you're doing here. You're specifically focused on leadership. Mine are just those uh, getting in the trenches and doing work that's meaningful. That's awesome. Dan, I want to thank you. I want to thank you from everybody listening and thank you from myself for you being my mentor, a mentor to me, a friend to me, and also for helping so many people out. We'll be right back here after these messages. Thanks. This is Impact Talk Radio. More than theory, doable impact solutions. Stay with us. More from Dave Anderson when we come back. Girlfriend It is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. With your host, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriend It principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer. And my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out GirlfriendIt.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Anderson. 
Wow. I, you know, I really appreciate Dan Miller being here. As I said to you and I've said to him, I, I appreciate his leadership of me, his mentoring of me. And when we're talking about leaders in that last segment, and we were talking about what can a leader do as far as growing people. And one of the things is just our attitude as leaders. I mean, our attitude as leaders, we can just need to be asking ourselves, is this person better off because they ran into me today? Is this person better off after that conversation? Is this person better off because of that phone call I just had with them? That's a mindset as a leader that we, if we start having that mindset and pouring into people and thinking through that, uh, thinking through that after each and every conversation we have with somebody, we're going to start having impact on people's lives. We're going to be able to lead even when we're overwhelmed with all the day-to-day stuff, as we mentioned in that previous scenario. So, I again, I want to say thank you to Dan Miller. I want to direct you to his website, which is 48days.com. Check out his podcast there. It's really fantastic. And, again, if you haven't read 48 Days to the Work You Love and you feel like you're, you're struggling or you're looking for the, the next best thing for you here, uh, buy that book. He's got a new edition that just came out, and I think I, I want to highly recommend that to you. So we're talking about new leaders on new teams. And, you know, I've – picked up a lot of different teams. I picked up teams that I started from scratch, teams that other people started, teams, teams that other people lead, led. You know, and with each team, I learned something. Each time I, I, I started a new t- team, I changed what I did. And with each change, I adapted my methods and, I, and the needs based on the needs of that team. You know, I changed a lot of things. I never changed my values, but I changed my methods. And after taking over those teams and having quick success with some and slower success with others, you know, there are a few key steps that I, I want to share with you that will I hope will help smooth the transition for a new team le- uh, team leader and uh, for both the team leader, I'm sorry, and the team members. So the first step is. You know, I always suggest to people, and this is really the case when you're taking over a team that was led by somebody else, communicate with the previous leader, whoever was leading that team, whether they were a great leader and high and highly regarded or not, communicate with them. You know, this could be easier if the previous leader uh, is still around. You know, maybe they've left the company or they've been promoted or moved to another geography. But if you could, in a short conversation with them, figure out a few things. Some of them is just very practical. What ongoing initiatives are there for your team? What are the key client relationships that you need to be aware of? Or, and maybe not just client relationships, but internal relationships. You have internal and external clients, people internal to your company and external to your company. What are those key relationships? What are some of the critical operational and, and, and historical reports that you need to have? And you know, what are some of the outstanding promises that that previous leader has made to superiors, peers, employees, customers? Find that out from that, from that person because – you know, especially that last one, I can't tell you the number of times I took over a team and, and somebody on my team came up to me and said, well, my boss, the old guy promised me this or she promised me this. And I have no idea what, whether that was promised or not. And I really have no frame of reference. And I don't have – and I look – really, you can look silly if you don't have that information. And then you, you're backtracking. So I suggest you asking those things. But on the flip side, don't. 
uh, my suggestion to you is do not listen to a leader, uh, the previous leader's negative comments about the people on the team. If there's a person on the team that's, that, that, per, that that leader had a problem with, I wouldn't listen to what they had to say, honestly. I mean, it's differently. It's different if that person is, you know, on a performance improvement plan, or you know, truly is has one foot out the door and the other one on a banana peel. You know, that's one one thing. You might want to listen to that, but don't listen to them if they're just going to start running through and start telling you everything you should know about each person on the team. Because when I took over teams, I wanted my relationship to be with that individual person. I didn't want my relationship based on what the old leader in that uh, had with that person. I wanted the relationship to be what I was going to establish, our history together, with nothing having to do with the previous leader. I got one great example of that, and that was a guy I took over. I took over a team from a previous leader who actually was a highly respected leader. But that leader started telling me about one person on this team that you know what he didn't think was going to make it. He said this sales rep wasn't going to make it, that I'm going to need to be prepared to start working on formal formal activities to move this person out of the company. And I, as he kept going, I, I stopped him. I said, whoa, 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 hold on. I don't want to hear anymore. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, I want you to stop there. I want my relationship with this sales representative to be my relationship. And you know what? Maybe I'll agree with you and I may need to do this, but I do not want to go in there with any preconceived notions. Everybody should have a clean slate. And to make a short story long, guess what? It's been 12 years now, maybe 13. It might, I think it might be 13 years now since I had my first meeting with that sales rep in question. And guess what? That sales rep is still with that company and doing great things for that company and did great things for me when I, when I was his leader. So I just want to advise you, yes, communicate with the previous leader, but if that previous leader thinks they're doing you a favor by filling you in on all the pros and cons of each person on the team, I'd avoid that. Make your own decisions. The second thing you want to do is meet face-to-face with your influence leaders. I mentioned influence leaders when, we talked, when I was talking to Dan, Dan Miller. Those are the EF Huttons on the team. That's what John Maxwell calls them, the EF Huttons. You know, when EF Huttons talks, people listen. Well, when I'm stepping on a new team, I'm never under any delusions that I'm the most influential person on the team. I'm just the new guy. Okay, so there's probably one or two other people who are going to exert more influence on the team until uh, for a while until really I've earned the right to lead. So what I do is I meet with that those influence leaders first and I usually do it in a casual environment, invite them out to dinner. And like Dan said, I spend more time listening than talking. I ask them about what's been going on. What do they think I need to know? I lots of times I do an informal workshop with them, which I call a start, stop, continue workshop. What do you guys want to start start seeing happen around here? What do you want to see stop happening? And what do you want to see continue happening? And I listen a lot. And then you know what I do? I humble myself and I ask them for their help. The humility that a new leader needs to have in that situation to realize that they don't have all the answers and they don't know everything that's going on. So they need the help of those EF Huttons, those those influence leaders. So I always make it a priority to meet with these leaders before I meet with the rest of the team. And it's early on, it's critical that I have their buy-in because if I have their buy-in, everybody else is going to follow. The third step I take is I bring the whole team together physically. I know some people have people in all different parts of a state or, you know, and, and geography is an issue. And, you know, and I understand that. But if at all possible, bring them together physically so you don't have to say the same thing more than once. 
So when you bring them together, you, you they can ask all questions and everybody can hear all the questions and they can hear all the answers all together. And you know what? When they're asking these questions, whatever time you think you need for this meeting, plan more than time than you think. It always took me longer than I ever expected to to, to have that first meeting with my team. And I usually try to do it on a neutral site, not at the office. I usually found a break room, uh, a a uh, conference room or something in a local hotel uh, where I would meet with the team and sit down and talk with them so we could have these conversations away from the hustle and bustle of the office. And I'd spend at least the first half of the meeting listening more than speaking. Again, listening, having two ears and one mouth, using them proportionally. And I'm always going to spend, pay special attention to do my influence leaders and the comments and their and their comments they make and even some of their signals. They'll signal you when they think you need to you avoid something or dig into something. See, when a team gets together physically with me, they can all see for themselves who I am, how I operate, and what my expectations are. By doing this, I ensure that my message is consistent across the board and I deliver it to everyone at one time and answer all their questions all, all at one time. The fourth thing I do is I try to build trust on team. You heard Dan and I talk about trust. Look, without trust, I know uh, I'm not going to have followers. And so usually what I say very early on in the meeting, I share with them who I am personally and professionally. As you heard, again, as you heard Dan and I say, it's hard to trust people you don't know. We don't do that readily, do we? We don't walk into Walmart and say to a stranger, hey, I left my door unlocked today. Look, we don't trust people we don't know. So you need to share yourself who you are professionally and personally. And then you also need to let them know that you trust them. Don't make them earn your trust. And finally, you need to bring them together culturally. You need to work on their culture. You need to make sure that you understand, they understand, that you understand that the culture of the team, whether it's been good or bad in the past, is going to change because you're there. Now, they might have a good culture when you walk in, but as a, as a new leader, I will shift that culture just because of who I am. It doesn't matter. So I share with them my vision. I share with them my values. And I share with them, and I tell them, look, I only have one expectation of you as, uh, as part of this team. If I tell you I'm gonna, you're going to – if you tell me you're going to do something, I expect you to do it. Those type of things I share with with those people because the more we share with them about things like values and, and – uh, and what's important to me, the more they're going to understand what this team is going to be like moving forward. And when we're talking about developing a culture on a team, you can check out the Overwhelm Manager's Guide to a Winning Culture, which is an online course, which is you can find on overwhelmmanagersguide.com or if you're on your phone, om-guide.com. So – Look, we're almost out of time here today. I want to leave you with a dose of hope. Leadership is a calling. People are waiting for you to lead. If you feel you're called to lead, people want to be led. Continue to grow as a leader. A tree that stops growing starts dying. Don't don't be a dead leader. Be a growing leader. We can all grow. We can all become a better better leader, and we can all make the situation, whatever we're in, whatever team we're taking over, we can make it better by being a better leader. This is Dave Anderson. You're listening to Impact Talk Radio. You can catch us on Toginet at T-O-G-I-N-E-T dot com or on iTunes to listen to more Impact Talk Radio podcasts. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 